audio. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk. Coming up, we're going to talk with Dr. Rick Little, an orthopedic surgeon in Spearfish, who started the orthopedic program back when it was regional health, now Monument Health. And we're going to be talking about total hip replacement surgery coming up on Doc Talk. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me is Dr. Rick Little, an orthopedic surgeon up in Spearfish. Glad to have you again on a podcast with me, doctor. Uh, today, we're going to talk about your hips, which I think mine are fine. They don't lie, according <laughs> to some people, I suppose. Um, but this uh, this this whole process and, and these surgeries that you do as an orthopedic surgeon... Um, you have to be good with with your hands in situations like this, don't you? And have a desire to 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 build, right? Is that kind of where this comes from, doctor? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta so, be uh, good with a hammer and a saw. <laughs> that's uh, uh, you wouldn't hear the word saw when it comes, uh, you know, in conjunction with surgery. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound right. Yeah, right it doesn't exactly. sound right. I understand. Uh, but let's um, let's 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 get into this because this is another. Uh, this is another area that a lot of people, I'm assuming, is it generally people when they get older that have to deal with stuff like this? Or I'm not talking about accidents or things like this with hips, but uh, just kind of degenerative. Is that where most of this comes into play? Yeah, the far majority are degenerative hip arthritis. Okay. There are some that have congenital issues, rheumatoid arthritis, that may get you um, a hip at a much younger age. Really? Yeah. Um, so what are some other instances where hip replacement might, might be necessary? Uh, or, or is it generally those in, in accidents, things like uh, that? Yeah, accidents. Rheumatoid arthritis is one that gets younger people, obviously. Now, what is? can you explain what rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis is Yeah, really quick? So it's an uh, inflammatory disease where you're basically your body attacks itself and attacks the cartilage inside the joint and wears that out prematurely. So that, that can lead to hip replacement. Yep. Oh my! I thought it was more of just. I see. I, I've seen people a lot of it, like in their hands and sure. feet. Yep. Is that generally where that comes from? Uh, oftentimes, there's hands, feet, knees are very common. Okay. But we still get hips too that are uh, hit with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So, I suppose then uh, going to your your general doctor uh, to to try some some different ways to heal uh, what you hopefully won't have to be a replacement as a place to start with this, correct? Yeah, a lot of medical treatment, especially for rheumatoid arthritis. Really exciting new medical treatment there. I couldn't explain it to you all that one. We need a rheumatologist to tell us about those advances, but it's really been in fantastic. Uh, but most people for the wear and tear, osteoarthritis, you know, the mainstay, of course, is the anti-inflammatory medication, ibuprofen to leave over the counter to start with them. We have prescription ones. Okay. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit really quickly, because again, if you're just listening to this podcast, uh, there is a video component that goes along with it. And the doctor has brought in what looks like just the coolest piece of artwork I think I've ever seen, honestly, uh, <laughs> which is which is the, the actual parts that are used in a hip replacement. Can you just kind of explain, Dr., how the hip works and, and what its function is. Yeah, well, the hip is a ball and socket uh, design uh, with the muscles all around it to help support you when you walk and, you know, do your stride, sit up and down, you know, stairs, up and down from a chair, that kind of stuff. So it's a ball and socket design. So what we do is re, we uh, redo the socket, 
There's a uh, metal socket that is falling off my model here, <laughs> but uh, it has a, a rough metal back, and the, we basically pound it in there. Sometimes we put some screws in it to hold it to the bone temporarily, but otherwise then the bone grows into the back of it and holds it in that way. So that just replaces the socket that's otherwise up in the pelvis. Uh, just, uh, just you pound it in there and hold it that way, okay? Then inside there is this plastic liner that's your uh, new joint surface. Then on the femur side, there's a metal stem that goes down the uh, thigh bone here, and that's all titanium. It's a real rough area. The bone grows into that area. And then on top of that, we have a choice of a metal ball or a lot of the women like this one here because it's pink. It's a ceramic Well, you're ball. not going to be able to see it, ladies. <laughs> I know, but, uh, you know, a lot of people look like, oh, I don't want a pink one. Well, that's what it sure. is. It's a pink one. Uh, but the ceramic wears a little bit better, and there's just a few less percentage complications with the ceramic compared to the metal. Um, but that's some fine details there. But overall, it's all titanium, uh, a ceramic head with a plastic liner, and then that titanium shell it goes in. So what is what is actually being replaced yeah. in the hip replacement? So uh, imagine, uh, you know, on, on our model here, people can see it. You know, the old ball joints worn on out. The cartilage on the end of the bones. So that's away. what that is, is cartilage. Yep, cartilage. Okay. So it's in ground away, basically. Okay, on both sides of the joint. So we basically cut off that ball joint. We get rid of it. It's not useful for anything. Then we basically, I use the word carve, reshape, form the inside of the bone so it fits our metal component uh, in there. And then uh, with the socket side, I basically go in there with these hemispherical cheese graters, if you will, and we grind away the bone there so we get nice, healthy, bleeding bone, and then we can pound in the uh, titanium shell in there. And this is kind of pounded in, press fit in there, mm. and the bone grows in there. I'm so glad you're out when this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't be, I don't want to be awake when I have mine done someday right. either, okay? Uh, so uh, are there um, are there technologies that, that help uh, in hip replacements now? Like we're seeing so much. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about uh, we've talked about Rosa uh, and and its use in, in knee replacement. Is there similar technology that's that's being used for yes. hips? Yeah. So it's um, there, there are some uh, companies that do have a robotic technique, and it's mostly to place uh, the socket in there, okay? Okay. Uh, the placement of the socket is a critical um, aspect of this operation. Um, in the old days, we always used to say it had to be so many degrees this way, so many degrees that way. We know that's not true because people with low back disease, low back surgery, uh, don't bend quite right. Uh, you have to place the socket in different positions. Uh, so years of experience will tell you um, how to do that. And then, uh, you know, the robotic technique will do that, too. Uh, Rosa is starting to get into that area. Oh, there are really? Some other uh, techniques, or other uh, robotic stuff that will help guide you on that also. But it's really the socket's the most uh, critical part. So when the, when the ball part goes into the socket on there in yep. your hip, why, why is it so? I mean, it, it, that seems to be loose and constantly moving and in motion. So yes. why, why does it need to be so precise? Yeah, so if you do not put the socket in the right spot, you might bend over, and then that hip ball joint might pop out. Oh, I see. The newer designs uh, with the bigger ball and the better socket, the better plastic uh, made, it's much, much more stable. Our dislocation rate is probably under 1%. Okay. So, so when, it's quite quite good that way. When, uh, when people decide that this is necessary and it's something they need to have done, what what are what are the initial first steps when they come to see you with this? Yeah, well, we evaluate them in the office mm -hmm. first. Obviously, we get a set of X-rays. 
uh, look at leg length and uh, you know mobility of the hip and everything else. You know, some people come in, they ground away a lot of the ball joint. It's quite short. Um, sometimes they're missing bone if they ground that away. So we have to kind of work on that stuff, uh, work around it, I guess. Um, and so it's really just, again, evaluating them. Uh, how's your hip? Uh, is your you know, activities of daily living revolving around your hip all the time? You can't do this, can't do that. I've had people sitting in wheelchairs for a couple of years and not be able to walk, and you end up doing their hips and they get back out walking again and living life again. It's, it's a great operation uh, for those people severely affected by hip arthritis. So how, how long does it take your hip to wear out? Uh, you know, is this something you gradually feel over time when it's kind of degenerative Typically, that way? Typically, that would be the case. You'd so it's not feel like... it over years. Okay. Now, that being said, I'll have some people with minor disease, and all of a sudden, six months later, they have serious disease. Mm-hmm. So it, it's variable. But most people, it's a slow, chronic thing over years, progressively getting worse every year. So when they come into you and they decide to start this surgery, um, and, and you're taking them into the operating room. How, how long is a surgery like this expected generally? The, the, yeah, the time of that's highly variable. Okay. Uh, some of it's easier for me, 45 minutes. Uh, some of that's a heavier person, very stiff, muscular. They can be an hour and a half, two hours. I'm still amazed that that's, that's the time. It just seems like this would be an all-day process no. <laughs> to repair something like this. Unfortunately, I want to say if your doctor's taking all day, then you need to find a different doctor. <laughs> Sorry. That's very good advice, <laughs> actually. Uh, so, so once it's all done, um, you know, what is, what's a recovery time on something yeah, like this? Yeah, so, so a hip uh, recovers much faster than a, than a knee, probably because we don't have all the soft tissue swelling. You know, it's in your buttock area, your hip area compared to your knee. So um, people don't seem to swell up as much. They're usually full weight bearing right away. Uh, some people use a walker, crutches, cane. I have some patients that don't do anything whatsoever. I've had people 45 minutes after surgery get up, walk up and down the hallway and say, okay, I'm ready to go home. Um, everyone's a little bit different on their activity level afterwards. What should people do uh, to just increase their chances of this being super successful before it even happens. Are there, are there things that you recommend they do before they come in for a surgery? Well, probably the biggest thing would be just keep your overall health up, your heart okay. and lungs. Mm-hmm. Try to get out and walk exercise. If you can't do that, try like elliptical. Try like an exercise bike. Something to keep your heart and lung function up. So after you get your hip done, you can actually go out and do things. Every now and then we've got patients coming in. You know, they didn't do it, didn't do it. They sit around, don't do anything. Now their heart and lung function is so bad, their risk of surgery go up. Sure. So if you just keep yourself healthy. Okay. That's easier said than done in a lot yes, of instances, but sure. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, so when it's all done, then uh, are, are there uh, physical therapies that go along with this? Or like you said, some people can get up and be like, nah, I feel great. Is it is it is it that type of surgery where um, you need a lot of rest in recovery with this? Or, or can it be, no, the, the ball's in the joint and here we go. We can We can make it happen. Well, maybe not as easy as that, <laughs> but uh, some people do recover uh, that fast. I mean, some people are back to work in a week or two, depending upon what they do, of course. Sure. I mean, if you're doing construction, heavy equipment, heavy work type of thing, not only you probably want to take six weeks off, maybe even up to three months off, depending upon your job and what you need to do. Um, otherwise, people get back to things pretty quick. Like I said, when they come back their two-week visit, rarely do we have people on a walker at that oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, they're out walking without it at that time. Now, how long does something like this uh, type of replacement, how long does it last? This seems to me to be more, it would last longer yeah, than a qu- knee yeah. replacement. Yeah. 
Actually, uh, I'd say the studies are probably about the same. Ah, darn it. Okay. You know? <laughs> but I, I, I want to think that now with the newer plastic we have and now with the ceramic ball, Hopefully they're lasting longer, but again, I'll, I'll tell you the answer in 30 years. <laughs> when, you're, when you're retired and gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and gone. Uh, yeah. Um, what, why do they, why is titanium uh, always seem to be the metal that's used in surgeries? Yeah, great, uh, great question. Uh, believe it or not, titanium kind of bends like bone bends. Bone does bend. Microscopically, it does bend. And uh, it, it has a similar bend, uh, titanium component, a similar bend to what the bone does. If you put in a different metal in the thigh bone there and you tell people to get up and get walking, the first 15, 20 steps, they have thigh pain because that stiff metal component in there doesn't bend like the bone bends. And they have thigh pain. And sometimes that takes even years to go away as the bone builds up stronger and stronger around it. So the bone likes titanium. In addition, very little people, a very, very few percentage of people have any issues with titanium as far as like a metal allergy. Oh, sure. Very, I suppose that's few. pretty important. Yeah, you have more people with nickel uh, issues, uh, sometimes cobalt chrome. Uh, but that's why I like going to the all-titanium stem with the ceramic ball and then the titanium socket. There's no other metals in there other than the titanium. What did they, what did they used to use before that? The, you mentioned cobalt, nickel, and yeah, titanium. Yeah, the cobalt chrome uh, ball joint. This would be the standard okay. uh, for years, and still a lot of people use it today, which is a great choice. It works great. It's a great bearing surface. Uh, but again, you have two different metals up. You have all titanium up against the cobalt chrome nickel ball joint, and a few percent of patients have a little problem with that little junction. Oh. Um, metallosis, we call it, maybe galvanic corrosion. You know, different metals up against each other will cause some issues. But so it's very rare. Very rare. Uh, the ceramic, uh, that that's pretty interesting too, because a lot of in my mind, when I think of ceramic, I don't think that it's something very durable, honestly. Yeah. But this, it must be much different in a medical capacity. Certainly some earlier generations, uh, you'd have that ball and all of a sudden explode inside <laughs> the hip joint. Uh, I've, I know there's reports of this newer generation mm -hmm. that happening. I've never personally seen it. Okay. I have personally seen the other previous generations, yeah. but not this one. Uh, are, you, are, are there some exciting new stuff that's coming out, uh, maybe down the line, that's just not quite ready for these kind of surgeries, hips or knees or things like that? Outside of robotics, are there other things that uh, are coming down the pipe that, that you've seen or are interested in? I don't know. That's a good question there, too. I mean, there were some shifts for a period of time called resurfacing, um, but that they're using a metal ball on tied the metal socket. That had its own set of individual problems. That was exciting technology beginning, but it didn't really pan out. Uh, it's kind of settled in that this is the design okay. uh, there. Other than, like you said, the robotic technique of putting it in, that would be yeah. uh, the thing in the future probably. Uh, now what about, this might be a really strange question, but you know, we can do so much with uh, cadavers. Yep. Taking healthy hips from someone healthy that has unfortunately passed away, and putting that, does that, is, has, has that ever been looked at? Has that ever been yeah. a thing? Yeah, uh, that, that has been tried. Uh, I don't know what the results are on that one. I just know they didn't work. Uh, overall, <laughs> well, I suppose you would need to get the blood flow into everything. And, right. And, and so that's really not a, a thing. Uh, of course, you know, the stem cell aspect, you're kind of ah, there that we go. a little yeah. bit. So uh, you think about that and say that should just be exciting, exciting technology. Bottom line is the stem cell injections into the joints hasn't panned out to work. Really? Uh, I think there's, there's going to be someday in the future, uh, but you got to get that delicate little cell and put it in a certain area and tell it to stay there and start growing there. So how do you do that? We well, have to have some type of matrix to hold it in place. We're, we're not there yet. 
There are some things about the knee that we're doing that way. And someday, the stem cell might be sure. the way to go. And well, this surgery may go away. This, <laughs> well, we don't want that. <laughs> Still need you guys in the room all the time yeah. for this. Uh, Dr. Rick Little, uh, an orthopedic surgeon from Spearfish. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun talking to you again uh, about this, doctor, and I'm so glad you came in. I appreciate it. Again, thanks for having me, You bet. Thank you. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.